good morning, everybody. We are glad you are with us today at church, and we know that the Lord has brought you into this moment at this time to speak into your life. So I want to say hello to everybody listening online, to our online campus, everybody listening over in Summerall. We love you. We love you in Summerall. And then in Columbia, we love you in Columbia. We love you so much. So glad to be with you today. God's doing so much in our church through this season and through this pandemic. And we're in a series. This is week number four of a series that we're calling Simplified. And we're just saying that we believe that you don't have to live like everybody else. That there's a different pace. There's a different rhythm that God has. And we can do that in our relationships. We can live differently. And in our schedules and in our finances and so many ways and in our faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, to get rid of all of the things that weigh you down to remove the sin that trips you up and run the race that God has set before you. And I pray that in this series, we're learning how to run the race, not exhausted, but rested, not frantic, but paced, not in over our head, but in the place where God has us to be. I believe the word, Lord has a word for you today as we talk about the church, the church simplified. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for every person that's listening to this, watching this, worshiping with us today. That, Lord, you would use this in a mighty way. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody listening said, amen and amen. If you got your Bibles, you can pull them out to Matthew chapter 16 is where we're going to be. Matthew 16. We'll be looking at verse 13, starting right there. And uh, talking about simplified, you know, I just love it when things, and don't you love it when things are confusing, but they are made simple. Somebody can make it simple. Like, I'm grateful for YouTube videos. I'm grateful that there's difficult things that I have in front of me now, like fixing a washing machine or working on a four-wheeler that I couldn't do before, but now I can YouTube it, and it's simple because they show me how to do it. I'm, I'm, grateful, that, um, I'm, gr I'm grateful that we have computers now, any, dino any dinosaurs in the room will remember this, that I don't have to type in on the DOS program, run, dot, dot, semicolon. I'm glad of that. I'm glad that we have Windows now, and I can just click. I love it when confusing things are made simple. But what really gets me is when simple things are made confusing. And we live in a culture where they take real simple things... And they can make them confusing. Now, I, I talked a little bit about coffee last week, about expensive coffee. But you know what, what else about that coffee? It's hard to order that coffee. It's just a cup of coffee. But go into a, uh, a high-end coffee place and try to order a, 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 a mocha, venti, half-milk, non-fat, decaf, frappuccino. It's, it's like you're talking a different language. All I want is a coffee. That's all I want, little cream. That's what I want. You, you go to the gas pump. Seven questions before you can pump. I just want to pump gas. Just a simple task of pumping gas. And here I am watching the weather while I pump, pump gas. It's a, it's a confusing world when something should be simple. Anybody feeling me out there today? It should be simple. Go to a restaurant, pretty simple. Chicken, beef, shrimp, 
Go to Cheesecake Factory and try to order. I don't, I just, whatever. It's got like thousands of different types of, when we take something that's real simple and we make it confusing and honestly, if we're all being honest here, and this is not a church bashing session, this is just honesty, church can be confusing. When what we're supposed to do is gather together and worship Jesus Christ, who has forgiven us and risen from the grave, man, it can be so confusing. Looking on, get online and do a little Googling around or go, go through social media or just drive around town. And for somebody that don't know a lot about church, it could be real confusing. Because you see all kinds of churches. You see churches where people who ride motorcycles and her bikers go. You see churches where there are cowboy hats and cowboys and people ride their horses up there. And then you see predominantly white churches and you see predominantly black churches. And then you see, you know, predominantly Hispanic churches. So they're all different types of churches. And then you look at the labels on the outside of the churches and you go, well, that's a that's a Baptist church, and that's a Methodist church, and that's a Pentecostal church, and that, that's a Presbyterian church. And, and so you're like, well, what, what brand do I choose? And then when you choose a brand, it's like, what brand of that brand do I choose? Do I choose like the Baptist missionary, or do I choose the Baptist southern, or do I choose the Baptist primitive, or do I choose the Baptist landmark, or do I choose the Baptist landmark, missionary, primitive, southern, Baptist? which one do I choose? It's kind of confusing, and I'm not, I'm not being uh, disrespectful. I'm just telling you from the outside looking in, it could be very confusing. You, you, you visit some of those churches, and we go in, and I've been to every flavor, every type of church you can have. It. And you walk in one, and it's like they're having a funeral for, for whoever's there. Nobody moves. You're afraid to breathe. If anybody sighs, you know, you can hear people's stomach growl in church. And, you know, and you're like, hmm, am I at a funeral or am I at a worship service? And then you go to another one, and it looks like the cops have pulled in on a crack house. And everybody's just running around and jumping pews and, like, you know, going, going. And you go... This is confusing. This is confusing. What's going on here? When, when I learned in, 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 um, when I was little that it was this simple, right? This is supposed to be simple. This is the church, and this is the steeple. You open the door. I did it wrong. And there are the people. When we've gotten so confusing, and I just want to talk to us today about simplifying church, whether it's uh, words on a screen or words in a book, whether it's a preacher on a screen or a preacher standing here with, with a, on a suit and tie, I just think there's a real, and, and I'm not here to, to, to say I know more than anybody else. I'm not here to push my brand, my version, my flavor of church. What I'm here to do is tell you what the Word of God says about what church really is when you boil all, it, all of it down. What is church? What is it? I want to look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, because I always want to look at the Word of God and what it says. And I hope you'll stay with me today. And it's in verse 13. We'll begin reading. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says in verse 13, When Jesus came from the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, 
You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my, everybody on our campuses say this together, I will build my church. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. In, in those few verses, we see some incredible truths about what the church is that simplifies the way we see church. The word church there is a Greek word called ekklesia. Ek meaning out of. Lasia means called. So the church literal meaning is not a bunch of people gathering together. The literal Greek meaning of the word church is called out of. Have we ever needed to know what the church means more than we do at this moment in history? The church is not a series of worship services. The church is not a guy preaching on the stage. The church is a group of people who are called out from the world by Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. A people that live differently from the world. A people that have different values than the world. They live in the world. And, and in this, I want to I give you three simple things that must be, that are essential for a popular word today, must be present for the church to be the church. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. If you're not taking notes, you can go ahead and write these down. Come on, somebody. The first thing is, I see in this, if we're going to have a church, is there has to be, it's imperative, an encounter with Jesus. There has to be an encounter with Jesus. Look at what Scripture says. He looks at his disciples, and he says, Who do men say that I am? It's interesting that he would ask that question. Why would he ask that question? Because he wants to know what culture is saying about him, what's socially acceptable in the day, what's palatable to the religious world, what, what is okay in the religious sake. And they said, well, some people are saying Elijah. That's okay. Everybody likes Elijah. Some people are saying John the Baptist. Mm, that's kind of iffy. Some people are saying a prophet. Okay, all of those are acceptable, but nobody is saying he's the Messiah. Nobody's saying he's the Son of God because that's totally countercultural. So you do understand what culture is saying. Now, here's what I want to ask you. The second question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up and in Peter fashion, he says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because you didn't get that out of a book. You didn't get that out of what somebody told you. God Almighty showed you that. What's the point of that? The point of that is, as church, we must have an encounter with Jesus to have the revelation of what church truly is. We can't accept what culture is saying because culture will lead you down a road where everything is palatable and politically correct and everyone's okay with that. But, but I ask you, as Jesus asks you, who do you say he is? What does, what does the church say G Jesus is? See, there's always going to be a way that's okay for the world and not okay. 
And we better be very careful as a church that we don't mimic and we don't copy what somebody else is doing, that we have direct revelation from God Almighty that of what the church is supposed to be. Do you hear me? That we, we aren't here to just look and say, this is how you do church. No, we're going to have an encounter with God Almighty, and that's what church is, my friends. It's like it's a church without an encounter with Jesus is like going to Krispy Kreme and not eating the donuts. Like you walk up in the Krispy Kreme place and the red light is flashing and you got the vibe going on there. The, the glory is running across the belt and the, the juice is running over the top of them. And it's a great environment. And you look around and everybody's happy to be there. It's a good, nice building. The smell is out of this world. You have good conversations. But that's not enough, is it? They've even got a little kids area for the kids. It's a great experience. But if you walk out of the Krispy Kreme factory without eating a donut, you've missed the whole purpose of being in the Krispy Kreme store, my friends. Come on, you got to have an encounter with the glorious glaze up in your mouth. you got to have an encounter with the goodness of the Krispy Kreme. That's an encounter. Why so many times at church do we walk in and we say, oh, this is a nice environment. they got a place for my kids. Oh, it's, 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 it, people are very nice. They're friendly. Uh, I, I really like how you know, they, they do the worship. I like all that. But what about an encounter with Jesus? What about him? That's what we're at. A lot of people's calling now worship experiences. That's fine. Some, some people are saying that was really enriching service to me. You know what I want to say? I had an encounter with God. With God Almighty. I hope you have an encounter right now online. Have an encounter with the Lord Jesus. Have an encounter with him. That's that, and, and if we don't have that, if Jesus is not in the room, I mean, that's been my strategy from the day one here, is get Jesus in the room and let him do what he does. I love the story, you remember, of the blind man who Jesus touched and his eyes were healed. And the Pharisees came to him and they said, hey, who healed you? He's like, I don't know who healed me. And they're like, well, come on, you got to tell us who healed you. You lying to us. He's like, I don't, I don't know. He said, this is what I know. I was blind. He touched me. Now I can see. That's what I know. That's an encounter. I was blind. I was wandering. I didn't know where I was going. I had an encounter with Jesus. And now I can see, and I'm walking in a different direction. You see, see the church... Our goal is to, the church's goal is to have an encounter with Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Amen, everybody listening? It, 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 and you don't have to, un, let me say this, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to understand, and, 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 and I know some of you may be listening, well, I, I just got to comprehend that. If God was small enough to understand, he would not be big enough to be worshiped. If I could understand God with this brain inside this head, I can guarantee he ain't big enough for you to worship him. God is so great. When we come into his presence, we just we need to encounter him and seek him. And I'm telling you, it'll help some of us not to be so high maintenance if we would just come in with our eyes focused on Jesus. The church encounters Jesus. The second thing the church does is it empowers people. It empowers people. It's interesting to me in this passage of Scripture. Don't leave me now. This is, this is an incredible part. 
he doesn't look at a plot of land and he said, there's where I'll build my church. He looks at a person who would mess up and had messed up by the name of Peter. And he says, on you, I'm going to build my church. On you, Peter. And this is a play on words. Don't let be fooled that he says, I'm going to build my church on Peter, Petros. Jesus is the cornerstone. And over and over again in scripture, it says that he will build, we will be built on the cornerstone, the stone the builders rejected. We will be built on Christ, the, the, the solid rock. But he uses a play on words, Petros, meaning little rocks that will be built upon him. So all of the church will be built upon Jesus Christ, and he's using that. He's empowering Peter to build the church. And my friends, the church, this building that I'm in right now, is not the church. This is where the church gathers. This service that we're in, whatever service that you're in right now, whether you're online, Columbia, Summerall, and Collins, whatever service you're in right now, that's not church. This is what time the church gathers. It's the church is the people. I love this church from the bottom of my heart, inside out. I can't tell you how much I love this church. But I don't love this building. And I don't love a particular service time. And I don't love our website. But I love you. And I love the people. And that is the church. Without the people, there is no church. And... As we move forward during this, this time, I want us to redefine the way we think of church. You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm going to go to church. I understand that. But that's like I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to go to the movies. You don't, we don't go to church. We are the church. And, and God is putting something deep in our heart right now. And uh, so to, to redefine what church looks like on a corporate level. Because if we don't have to have all of this to have church, guess what? You can have church anywhere where two or three are gathered. And so I'm excited to announce that we're going to be starting home groups beginning in October. We're going to be starting launching groups, launching church in your home. Where you will actually gather together with other people and be the church in your home. I'm excited about this because I believe that's what God has called us to do is begin to expand the church. Right now, if you're online, you can be a part of that. We're also going to have virtual groups. They're going to meet on Zoom. So if, so if you want to lead a group or if you're in one of our services today and you want to lead a group, the month of September, we're going to be signing up leaders for groups. We're going to be training you through the month of September. And then in October, we're going to launch and this is going to be a little bit different, and I'll say this and move on. This is going to be a little different than our groups before. We're not going to do just a semester here and a semester there. These are going to be groups with the purpose of multiplication. These groups will meet together, we will grow together, and when we reach a certain size of the group, we will multiply and start two groups. And I believe God is going to bless this, y'all. I believe he's going to do so much. We're going to continue to have our corporate services but we're also going to begin to empower the church. Because this, this, is, this is the word I, the Lord gave me. They ain't no building. And, I, and he said it that way because he's southern. They ain't no building going to hold what I'm going to do in South Mississippi. Amen, somebody? The third thing and the last thing is this church 
exist for others. Church exists for others. Look at what he says. He says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys. Think about a key. Why does he use the word key? Because a key unlocks something. A key opens up heaven in people's lives. We have the key of the gospel of Jesus Christ that opens up heaven into a lost person's life, into a depressed person's life. We have the key of heaven. Have you ever been locked out somewhere and you didn't have the key and you call somebody and say, hey, I'm locked out. And they're like, not concerned really, like I'll be there in a minute. And like you're sitting outside, you can't get in. You're locked out, maybe of your own home. You're locked out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know somebody does. Somebody may be locked out right now watching this, sir. And you're waiting on them and you're texting them, say, come on, come on, I'm locked out. And they don't seem to be concerned. You know, as I look at the church, I wonder, we have the greatest news. We have the key to the kingdom of God and people are searching everywhere, trying to get in the kingdom of God. And it's kind of like, yeah, we will one day. Yeah, we're going to share it. Yeah, I've got the key right here. I've got the key in my pocket right here. And, it, it, and it's the only key that fits the lock. But you know what? I'm kind of busy. Right? I was sitting in my easy chair the other day. I've told you about my easy chair. And I'd sit there so long, I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I stood up and my legs had went to sleep. Has your legs ever went to sleep and like they feel like needles all in them? And I was just kind of wobbling around trying to stand up. If we're not careful as church, as the church, we'll get so comfortable and we'll sit there so long that it's difficult to stand and it's difficult to move forward. Here, here the other day, I was, I was reminded of why we, we have, why, why we are the church. Um, we, I, was, I was passing through here. We had a lot of things going on. There's a lot of moving parts to our church. Many of y'all know that. And, um, and, and I had, I, somebody didn't show up to do what they're supposed to do. Anyway, there's a lot of frustration, a lot of frustration. I was aggravated. And there was some kids, like, just standing there. There's just some kids. And I got stuff to do. I got to preach a sermon. I've got my sermon. I'm ready to preach my sermon, man. And uh, I looked, and I seen this little, little girl I'd never seen at church before. And her hair was matted. She had on a little old dress that, that had been apparently on the floor that night. I mean, it was just dirty. Her little shoes, she was dirty. And uh, I just passed by her, and the Lord spoke into my spirit. I don't need you to preach your sermon. I need you to love her. Because that's why I called you. I called you for her. I didn't call you to preach messages. I didn't call you to build my church. I will build my church. I called you to love her. So I went back in my office and I said, I got to find a Bible. Like I got couldn't find a Bible nowhere. I, we have Bibles here all the time. Like we're just like Bible overload here. Could not find a Bible. Finally found a Bible. Got some stickers. I went to her. She smiled at me. Every tooth in her head was rotten. Hadn't brushed her teeth maybe ever. I don't know. Just rotten. And I knelt down there to her. And I said, baby, let me tell you one thing. This is a Bible, and God wrote it just for you. And Jesus loves you. And I walked away from that, and I said, the day that I am not able to do that is the day I cease to be the church. We don't exist for us. We love you, 
but we exist for them. We, for us to be the church, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. Now, we've had that on every one of ours. Have a come to Jesus meeting. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Let me tell you, church doesn't need to be a weight. It don't need to be heavy. It needs to be glorious. We have Jesus, people, and the gospel. And that is the church. All these other additives are nice. But if you've got Jesus, people, and the gospel, you've got the church. That's the church. And I know a lot of people are confused about that. Because you see all these names and all these things and you've been told all this stuff. And here's what I want to do to end this message. I want to simplify the gospel message as simple as I possibly can. If you're listening to this message right now, Jesus died for your sins. He died for your sins. The sin you might have done last night. He died for that sin. And you're either in one of two camps. You're either lost or you're saved. It seems today that nobody's really sure of that. Everybody's like, oh, well, I'm kind of this, kind of. There's no kind of. You're either lost, meaning you have not made a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, or you're saved, meaning you've, there's been a moment in your life when you surrendered control of your life to Jesus and you give your life to him. Everybody listening to this, everybody in this room, everybody in all the other rooms, it's one of the two. You're either lost or you're saved. And Jesus died for lost people. The Bible says that he died on a cross. And they took him off of that cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he rose again. And he defeated death. And the Bible clearly states that anyone who confesses Jesus with their mouth and commits their life to him will be saved. Do you need to be saved today? I'm telling you, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe you died on a cross for me and you rose again. And I confess you as Lord. It's that simple. Some of you, you made some type of profession when you was a little boy or a little girl. Maybe you followed some of your buddies down the aisle or, you know, maybe you were at BBS and you made that decision. But you know that wasn't the right decision. You know you didn't get saved. But now you've grown up and you've given your heart to Jesus. But you've never been baptized. And you need to follow the Lord in baptism. You need to get it in order. Order is important. Order brings peace. And the Bible teaches we're saved then we're baptized. Today, some of us have say, you know what, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. I sure do love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, that would be like you saying to me, Pastor Wes, I like you, but I don't like your wife. Well, you don't like me. Because if you don't like my wife, she's part of me. And some of you need today to need to be a part of the church. I'm going to ask you right now to bow your head with me. In this moment where we make a decision for Christ, and I'm going to ask you to make a decision for Christ. I'm going to ask you, would you like to be saved? 
right now where you are, would you like to be saved? And know that you know that you'll go to heaven and be with God when you, when you leave this world. Right now where you're at, I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to ask you to say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. And right now, and in my consciousness, in my soul, I ask you to be my Lord and be my Savior. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And based on the authority of what's in this book right here, you were born again if you prayed that prayer with me today. I ask that you'd let your campus pastor know about that online or at your physical campus. We'd love to pray with you and help you and give you some resources. And let's prepare our hearts for worship.